ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. And I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a slave servant and his messenger. We would like to begin this evening uh, this lecture in our series concerning the sharh or the explanation of Al-Aqidah Al-Tahawiyah by Al-Imam Abu Ja'afa Ahmad ibn Muhammad Al-Tahawi by uh, briefly reviewing the point from the previous lecture that is point number 53 where Al-Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah may Allah have mercy on him says concerning the beliefs of the Muslims وَنُؤْمِنُوا بِالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ وَالْكُتُبِ الْمُنَزَّلَةِ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا عَلَى الْحَقِّ الْمُبِينَ But we, the Muslims, believe in the angels and the prophets and the books which have been sent down, which have been revealed to the messengers and we bear witness that they, that is the messengers and prophets السلام, that they were following the clear truth. Concerning this point, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumis says in brief, the first point of these three points, the belief in the angels, the prophets, and the revealed books, he says that we believe in the angels, that they are creatures created by Allah from light. And he is giving here a description of the angels or a brief description concerning some of the outstanding features of the angels as found in the Quran or in the Sunnah. He said that they are creatures, Nuraniya, created from light as found in the authentic hadith reported by Imam Muslim. Hazima, they are very great, tremendous creatures as mentioned in the hadith as well as in the Quran. And here he mentions one of the ayahs from the Qur'an, from Surah Al-Tahreem, verse 6, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَا يَأْسُونَ لَا يَأْسُونَ اللَّهِ مَا أَمْرَهُمْ وَيَفْعَلُونَ مَا يُؤْمَرُونَ That they do not disobey Allah in anything that He has commanded them. This is one of the descriptions of the angels, that they don't disobey anything that Allah has commanded them. وَيَفْعَلُونَ مَا يُؤْمَرُونَ And they fulfill whatever they have been commanded. And they do whatever Allah has commanded them. And also, he says that they have wings, as mentioned in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Fatir, verse 1, فَاتِرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ جَاعِلَ الْمَلَائِكَ رُسُلًا أُولُ الْأَجْنِهَا مَثْنَى وَثُلَاثَ وَرُبَعًا That praise belongs to Allah, the one who created the heavens and the earth, and who has made the angels as messengers. The angels are also messengers. He has made them messengers, and that they possess wings. مَثْنَى pairs of two or thulatha, three or ruba'a, four. And also, this is not the description of every angel, but this is the general description of the angels. 
as mentioned in the hadith, the Prophet said that Angel Jibril have 700 wings. Then he goes on to say that we believe in them in the general sense, in the angels in general, we believe that they are creatures of Allah. And we also believe in detail what has been reported either in the Quran or in the Sunnah of the Prophet And here he mentions some of the angels, Jibreel, the angel of revelation, Mikael, the one who is responsible for the rain and the bringing forth of crops from the earth, Israfil, the one who is uh, commanded or commissioned or appointed by Allah to to blow the horn on the day of resurrection, Malak al-Maut, that some scholars mentioned as Israel, but it is not confirmed in the Sunnah, in any authentic hadith, that the name of the Malak al-Maut, the angel of death, it is not confirmed that his name is Israel, that we refer to him as mentioned both in the Quran and in the Sunnah, as Malak al-Maut, the angel of death. Then there's the keeper of the fire, Malik, that's confirmed in Quran. And there's the keeper of the paradise, Ridwan, which is confirmed in Hadith. And there's Munkar and Nakir, the two angels that question the person who dies when they are placed in the grave. And then he mentions Raqib wa Atid. And these two expressions are used in the Quran, but the most correct opinion concerning them, as mentioned by the scholars of Tafsir and the scholars of Sunnah, that these are not actually names of angels, but they are descriptions, descriptions that are used for angels. And they are also al-hafadha, those angels that record and protect the human being, protect their deeds or record their deeds. And there's the uh, those angels that carry the arsh of Allah and so on. Uh, and there's also mentioned in the Quran uh, Harut wa Marut, the two angels that came down to Babylon, and they were a test for the people. When they taught the people uh, what they taught them, they always first preceded that by letting them know that this was a test from Allah, and that they shouldn't do these things that is magic, because uh, engaging in magic is kufr. Anyway, these are some of the angels, and there are so many. The number is only known to Allah. Then he says, and we also believe in the prophets whom Allah has chosen. He has given them the special favor of giving to them his revelation and the legal systems. And these prophets are only from amongst the male and from amongst the free, not from slaves. And they are from the best of their people, the best of their nation to whom they are sent. We also believe in the details of what has been mentioned concerning the prophets and messengers, whether it came in the Quran or in the authentic Sunnah. And here he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 164. There are some messengers who we have mentioned their stories to you min qabul previously and they are also messengers that we didn't mention to you. So that is a proof that the messengers which are mentioned in the Quran 25 are not the only prophets or messengers that were sent, but there are some who have not been mentioned in the Quran uh, and their number is many as prophets or messengers were sent to every nation. We also believe in the books which Allah has sent down, that is those books which Allah has revealed, and from amongst those books which are known to us and which have been mentioned by name is the Torah or Torah, the Injil or Gospel, the Zabur, Psalms, Al-Quran, and the Suhuf Ibrahim, the scriptures or pages which were given to Ibrahim. And he mentioned the ayahs concerning such where they are mentioned specifically by name. From amongst them is Surah Al-A'la verses 18 and 19 and also Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 3 and 4 
and also uh, Surah Al-Nisa chapter 4 verse 163 and then uh, he says that we believe in all of these books and we believe also in those books or those revelations which have not been mentioned by name or in detail but we also believe in them in general that there are other books, there are other revelations that were sent to the prophets and messengers besides those which are mentioned here we also believe in them in general that there are other revelations, we believe in them all which Allah sent and we bear witness and testify to the fact that all of the messengers of Allah that they were on the clear truth that they followed the path of clear truth about which there was no doubt the straight way uh, and that they delivered the messages of Allah the messages that Allah sent them with they, beliv- they delivered it in the way that Allah required of them and finally he closes by saying or mentioning the ayah from Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 136 لا نفرق بين أحد منهم ونحن له مسلمون that we do not make any distinction between any one of them meaning any one of the prophets we believe in them all not as the previous nations they believed in the prophet that was sent to them and disbelieved in those which came after them but we believe in them all without making any distinction between them and we are يعني, in full submission وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ the summary of what we covered in the last uh, lecture and we also mentioned some questions which they were given in the handout from the previous lecture inshallah from that lecture you should have been able to answer those questions uh, tonight inshallah we would like to continue with the following the next point of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi point number 54 where Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says وَنُسَمِّي أَحْلَ كِبْلَتِنَا مُسْلِمِينَ مُؤْمِنِينَ That we name or we call the people of our Qibla and the Qibla is the direction of prayer that the Muslims turn towards the Kaaba or Mecca that we name or we call the people the Ahlu Qiblatina the people of our Qibla we call them Muslims Muslimin and we call them Believers, Mu'mineen مَا دَامُوا بِمَا جَعَ بِهِ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَسَلَّمْ مُعَتَرِفِينَ يعني We consider the people of our Qibla the people who face Mecca in their prayers we consider them and we call them by this name Muslim or Mu'min as long as they admit or confess to the truthfulness of whatever has come from the Prophet and as long as they testify to the truthfulness of whatever he has said and whatever he has informed us of whatever he brought it means Islam the belief in Allah as well as the Islamic practices the Salat and Zakat and Siyam and so on and whatever he informed us of or whatever he said meaning in addition to those things whatever he told us about of the past nations as well as whatever he told us or informed us of of the future that Allah revealed to him of what would happen in the future whether in the future of the nations to come after him or whether those things which would happen on the day of resurrection or on the day of judgment and so on here the shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumis, hafizahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him. In his brief explanation, he says that what is meant by this expression, Ahlu Qiblatina, the people of our Qibla, it means whoever claims Islam, whoever claims to be a Muslim, and they face the Kaaba when they pray. If someone claims to be a Muslim, and they face the Ta'aba when they pray this is what is meant by Ahlu Qiblatina Ahlu Qibla are those people who claim to be Muslims and they face the Ka'aba when they pray 
And then the Shaykh adds here, وَلَمْ يعني, In addition to the fact that they claim to be a Muslim and they face the Qibla when they pray, and they didn't declare anything to be halal, which is well known in the Islamic religion to be haram. Yeah, and for example, if someone claims to be a Muslim and they face the Qibla when they pray, they face the Kaaba, but they say alcohol is lawful. While it's well known to all Muslims all over the earth that alcohol is haram. Not those things about which there's ikhtilaf or difference of opinion about. Perhaps some scholars may differ on some matter. Some said that it's halal and some said it's haram due to the fact that there's no clear, conclusive text in Quran or Sunnah. But when someone declares something halal, which is well known in Islam to be haram, agreed upon by the Muslims to be haram, then this person cannot be considered to be of the Muslims. So that one of the conditions here to declare people to be Muslims is that they face the Kaaba when they pray and that they don't declare anything to be halal, which is well known in Islam to be haram. And that they also, another of the conditions is that they testify to the truthfulness of whatever the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam has informed us of. Whether of the previous, yani the things of the histories of the past or of the future, or the information that he has given us concerning the Islamic beliefs, as well as the Islamic laws and rulings, that they must also confess to the truthfulness of that which he has brought, concerning these matters, the fundamental matters of belief as well as the secondary matters of Islamic jurisprudence or Islamic laws. In that case, if someone fulfills these conditions, then we apply to them the name Islam or the name Iman. We say that they are a Muslim or a Mu'min. Okay, then he says, that we do not declare the disbelief or the kufr of anyone due to a sin that they commit, whether it is a major sin or a minor sin. As long as the person who commits such a sin doesn't claim that it's lawful for them to do so. If someone steals or lies or commits adultery, it's a major sin. But we don't say the person is a kafir because they committed a sin, Except in the case if they said that committing adultery is lawful in Islam. In that case, they have denied the Quran and that person is outside of Islam. And also, we are restricted and restrained from declaring anyone to be a kafir as long as they didn't commit an act which is a violation or an invalidation of the Islam. If someone commits an act which is of the nawaqir of Islam, the things which invalidate or nullify someone's Islam, then that's different. That's different. But if they commit just a major sin, which is serious, I shouldn't say just a major sin, but if they commit a sin, whether major or minor, then for this alone, we cannot say that that person has gone out of Islam. The word Islam or the term Islam is still applicable to anyone even if they commit a major sin. Then he says that it could be understood from the words of the Shaykh that is the author of the book, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, it could be understood from his words when he said that we call the people of our Qibla Muslimin Mu'mineen. Muslimin Mu'mineen. He said it can be understood from such that Al-Islam and Al-Iman are the same. That they are the same, that they are one. But it has been said that these two terms, Al-Islam and Al-Iman, that they are actually separate and distinct expressions. The correct opinion concerning these two expressions as some, many of the scholars mentioned, is that we cannot say they are one absolutely, nor can we say that they are distinct absolutely, but we say that when these two terms are mentioned together, 
in that case each one has its separate meaning if we say Islam and Iman if we say Muslim wa Mu'min in the same sentence then each of them have a separate meaning but if they are mentioned separately yeah, and you just talk about Islam then it's included in its Iman and if you say the word Iman then Islam is included in it if they are used individually each of them are inclusive of the other but when they come together in that case they do have a distinctive meaning and in that case the meaning of Islam is that Islam refers to the outward actions that are seen such as Salat and Zakat and fasting and Hajj and the things that are seen whereas Iman refers to the inner actions primarily the actions of the heart and that which is not seen by the people any faith or belief or conviction and this is also understood from the hadith hadith Jibreel in which the Prophet was sitting with his companions and someone came to him and asked him what is Islam and what is Iman and what is Ihsan and he later informed them that it was the angel Jibreel in that hadith he made it clear that Islam is based on five things and all of those things are things that are seen and Iman it has six pillars and those are the things that are in the heart so Islam is the outward actions and Iman are the inner actions but when they are mentioned alone if you say someone is a Muslim or they have Islam then it means also Iman and if you say Iman it also means Islam and Allah knows best here Al-Imam Ibn Abi Al-Iz Rahimahullah the famous scholar, Hanafi scholar, who wrote the great explanation of this book which we are studying, Al-Aqidah, Al-Tahawiyah and we are only sometimes referring to his commentary because his commentary is very lengthy but sometimes we will take some comments from him here he has a brief comment, inshallah there is some benefit to mention it and in his commentary of this statement he says he begins his explanation by saying or mentioning the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that's reported by Al-Bukhari in the book of Salat the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu in which he said that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said man salla salatana wa istaqbala qiblatana wa akala dhabihatana fahuwa muslim lahu malana wa alayhi ma'alayna and actually the expression as it came in Bukhari was slightly different uh, he said فَهُوَ مُسْلِمْ لَهُ مَا لِلْمُسْلِمِينَ أو مَا لِلْمُسْلِمِ وَعَلَيْهِ مَا عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِ yani the meaning is the same but the expression is slightly different مَنْ صَلَّى صَلَاتَنَا whoever prays our prayer يعني the salat as the Muslim prays it وَاسْتَقْبَلَ قِبْلَتَنَا and they face our Qibla the Kaaba or Mecca وَأَكَلَ ذَبِيحَتَنَا and they eat from our animals as they are slaughtered in the Islamic way in that case this person is a Muslim وَلَهُ مَالِ الْمُسْلِمِ that is he has the right that every other Muslim has وَعَلَيْهِ مَا عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِ and upon him are the obligations of every other Muslim this is the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which makes us to know that it's not our right to look into the hearts of people only Allah knows us in the hearts but we look and we judge people by their outward actions if someone prays the way we pray and they face the Kaaba as we face and they slaughter their animals as we slaughter then that person has done the outward actions of a Muslim and they should be considered as a Muslim and no one has the right to say this person is a hypocrite or there's something in their heart Allah only knows what's in the heart also he makes another comment which is very important concerning Ahlu Qiblatina the people of our Qibla he said the intended meaning here this is Ibn Abdul Iz Rahimahullah is saying the intended meaning of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi by these words Ahlu Qiblatuna or Ahlu Qiblatina it means those who claim Islam and they face the Kaaba even if they were from Ahl Al-Ahwa or Min Ahl Al-Ma'asi even if they are the people who follow their desires and who follow the Shubahat and deviations and wrong opinions that are not based on the Quran and Sunnah the Ahl Ahwa even if they are from them or Ahl Ma'asi those who commit sins who are known to commit sins 
the people who are immoral and show their immorality even if they are from them if they face the Qibla of the Muslims and pray as the Muslims pray then those people they do the outward actions and show the outward appearance of a Muslim then they are considered to be from the Ahl Qibla the Prophet said that his Ummah will be divided into 73 sects and from amongst those sects are those people who deviated and followed their own opinions and their own feelings even though there was no basis for it in the Quran and Sunnah but they are still considered to be from his Ummah even though they deviated so we consider those people under the title of Ahl Qibla Ahl Qibla, they are of the people of the Muslim Ummah even though they are of the deviant sects and so also those people who are immoral and corrupt if they show the outward appearance of Muslims and face the Qibla of the Muslims then also they are considered to be from the Muslim Ummah even if they are sinners even if they are corrupt and here the Shaykh uh, says Ibn Abil is he says that this point here will be discussed in more detail later when we come to the saying of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi uh, in a later point point number 57 where Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says uh, that we do not declare the kufr of anyone from the Ahl Qibla we do not declare them to be a kafir by any sin that they committed as long as they don't say that it's lawful to do so this is a, a later point that we will cover inshallah at that time we will discuss this issue in more detail and also it will be discussed in another point that came later in point number 64 in which Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says Al-Iman and Al-Islam that they are one, they are the same and that its people uh, are basically the same يعني, the basis يعني, the Iman, the people of Islam and Iman they are equal basically in origin and this also will be discussed in more detail when we reach that point the next point Imam Tahawi says point number 55 وَلَا نَخُودُ وَلَا نَخُودُ فِي اللَّهِ وَلَا نُمَارِي فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ وَلَا نَخُودُ فِي اللَّهِ وَلَا نُمَارِي فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ That we do not engage in false or vain talk or discussions concerning Allah nor do we engage in arguing and disputing concerning matters of the deen of Allah these, both of these points we have discussed previously in our explanation of the essay of Imam Ahmed Usul Sunnah we discussed them in detail for that reason inshallah we will not go into as much detail tonight but we will just discuss it briefly here the shaykh says in his explanation that لا نقود في ذات الله لا نقود في الله we do not engage in vain or false talk concerning Allah it means concerning the that of Allah يعني the person of Allah's person his being his essence we don't talk about the names and characteristics and qualities and actions of Allah in the matters which are exclusive to Allah except based on evidence from Quran and Sunnah yeah, I and mean we don't use our opinion or our feelings or logic to discuss matters related to Allah we cannot use intellect to say that uh, one of Allah's qualities or characteristics are such and such and so and so and explain them by our intellect or our mind or our feelings this is something that is prohibited in Islam in fact we can only discuss such matters based on revelation the scholars said the scholars of Ahl Sunnah said that these are matters of tawqifiyah these are matters that a Muslim should not enter into he should stop and his only discussion concerning it should be based on revelation what came in the Quran and the authentic Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam here the Shaykh says that these are matters of the unseen ghaybi there are things that are not known to the human being and no one of the creatures of Allah has the ability to know these things except by what Allah has revealed through the prophets so these are things we should hold back and refrain ourselves or restrain ourselves from discussing uh, 
But we should let it suffice that we name Allah by those names which Allah has named Himself or by that which the Prophet وسلم, has named him in the authentic hadith and we should describe Allah with those descriptions by which he has described himself and by which the Messenger of Allah وسلم, has described him because Allah is the best knower of himself and the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is the most knowledgeable of all creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he doesn't speak of his own desires it is but revelation that is revealed therefore whatever he says about Allah that has been reported to us and conveyed to us through authentic chains of narration then these things are considered to be what it is allowed to name Allah with or to describe Allah with we do not go beyond the bounds of the authentic reports concerning the names and characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likewise we also do not engage in debate dispute and argumentation concerning the matters of the deen of Allah and we do not express or explore or debate those doubtful matters those ideas or those philosophical thoughts and matters which came from the people who deviated who went beyond the bounds of the revelation and who used philosophy or intellect or otherwise in order to determine their beliefs and to establish their positions to do so to engage in such discussions and to explore these matters it is in fact one of the ways that shaitan deceives and misleads people and it is one of the ways that cause corruption in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> here al-imam Ibn Abil Iz rahimahullah in his explanation of the book he says that Imam al-Tahawi rahimahullah reminds us that we, would, we should refrain from using the speech or taking the ideas of the mutakallimeen that is those who use philosophy and rhetoric to explain the religion of Allah or the characteristics of Allah or to determine the names of Allah that their knowledge is blameworthy knowledge that one should not utilize or accept because they used to speak about Allah without knowledge and without basing their speech on the Quran and Sunnah without any authority from Quran and Sunnah as Allah mentions in Surah Al-Najm chapter 23 that they only follow conjecture opinion or their feelings and they follow whatever their lower desires or their selves lead them to while the, the guidance Al-Huda has come to them from their Lord I mean, how is it that people can follow their own desires and conjectures and their feelings while the clear guidance has come to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I mean, when Allah has revealed whatever is necessary to know about himself in the Quran and the Prophet ﷺ has been sent to explain to us the Quran and even more than that then why should anyone use their intellect or rationale or opinion to discuss such matters that can only be known by revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here he also mentions Imam al-Tahawi mentions the statement of Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah and as we said many times Imam al-Tahawi was of the Hanafi madhab although he didn't follow every opinion of, of, of Imam Abu Hanifa he used to strictly follow the evidences from Quran and Sunnah but he was of the Hanafi madhab and here he mentions a statement of Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah may Allah have mercy on him that he said it is not proper la yambaghi it is not acceptable it's not permissible for anyone to speak 
about the person of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but anyone yani from their own selves but one should describe Allah with that which Allah has described himself also Al-Imam Ibn Abi Al-Iz he says the statement of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi La numari fi deenillah that we don't argue or dispute concerning the religion of Allah he said the meaning of this is that we should not argue against the people of truth when the scholars came to us with clear evidence from the Quran and Sunnah we should submit to it and accept it and not argue and debate with them by bringing up shubahat doubtful matters as one brother told me recently before he traveled for the summer vacation that he was in some uh, discussion on a chat program on internet and uh, he was speaking to someone who started to ask some questions those questions were very difficult and he couldn't answer them the brother told me I was confused by the question he asked me then he came to find out that the one who was presenting these questions was a Muslim he was a Muslim and he was asking some questions which appear to make contradictions in the Quran yani make the Quran seem to contradict itself and make the Sunnah seem to contradict itself this is something that's prohibited a Muslim should never bring forth doubtful matters and confuse other Muslims by such issues that the disbelievers and the enemies of Islam and those who deviated speculated about this is a means of leading people astray and a form of corruption of the deen also concerning arguing and debating and the matters of deen we mention the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Rum chapter 30 verse 31 and 32 وَلَا تَكُونُوا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ don't be of the mushrikeen, the pagans مِنَ الَّذِينَ فَرَّقُوا دِينَهُمْ those who divided up themselves in their deen وَكَانُوا شِيَعًا don't be like the mushrikeen those who divided up their religion and divided themselves up to sects and groups how did this happen through argumentation and dispute they divided up into many groups the Jews into 71 the Christians into 72 and the Muslims the Prophet who would disobey his order and engage in dispute and argumentation would be divided up into 73 all of them would be in the fire except one and some of the Sahaba asked him what is that one he said ma kana aw ma ana alayhi al-yawm ashabi that one which would be saved is the group that is following that which I am upon today and that which my companions are upon and this is one of the proofs that we are required to follow the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu as well as the understanding and the methodology and the way of his companions it was sufficient for him to say the right group are those who follow that which I am upon but he said ma ana alayhi al-yawm wa ashabi he also included that which his companions were upon to make us to know that they are also to be followed also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah al-ghafir uh, I don't know the number verse 4 the saying of Allah ma yujadilu fi ayatillahi that no one engage in dispute and argumentation concerning the ayats of Allah the signs of Allah or the verses of Allah except those who disbelieve any disputing and argumentation is one of the characteristics of the disbelievers the believers should avoid such and also the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Zukhraf chapter 58 uh, verse 58 uh, مَا ضَرَبُهُ لَكْ إِلَّا جَدَلًا بَلْ هُمْ قَوْمٌ خَصِمُونَ That they didn't make such examples or parables for you except as a means of arguing and disputing. In fact, they are people who love to argue and dispute. They are people, disputers, who argue and dispute. This is also showing that arguing and disputing is a blameworthy characteristic that the believers should avoid. And finally, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, and it is hadith Hassan. It is a good hadith reported in the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi and the Musnad 
of Imam Ahmed and Sheikh Al-Albani declared it to be uh, a good hadith in his Sahih Al-Targheeb or Tarheeb that hadith in which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said مَا ضَلَّ قَوْمٌ بَعْدَ هُدَى كَانُوا عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا أُوتُوا الْجَدَلِ that no people went astray after they had been guided after they were on the right path no people went astray after they had been guided بَعْدَ هُدًا كَانُوا عَلَيْهِ except those who were given to الْجَدَلِ argumentation, arguing and disputing yani arguing and disputing is the way that leads people astray after they were on the guidance and the ayat and hadith concerning arguing and disputing are many but there is still one more point that we have to cover inshallah let us suffice to say this and we might refer back to usul sunnah in which we discuss this topic in much more detail finally the last statement of al-imam tahawi point number 56 وَلَا نُجَادِلُوا فِي الْقُرْآنِ وَنَشْحَدُوا أَنَّهُ كَلَامُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحِ الْأَمِينَ فَعَلَّمَهُ سَيِّدَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ مُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَسَلَّمَ That we do not argue and dispute in the Qur'an or concerning the Qur'an and we bear witness and testify that the Qur'an, that it is the speech of the Lord of the Worlds it has uh, come down or it, this, that the Ar-Ruh Al-Ameen, the trusted uh, spirit or the angel Jabril he descended with this Qur'an and he taught it to the leader or the master of the messengers Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam وَهُوَ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى لا يساويه شيء شيء من كلام المخلوقين. But it is the speech of Allah the Most High, and nothing of the speech of creatures, human or otherwise, is equal to it, equal to the speech of Allah. ولا نقول بخلقه. And we do not say, nor do we believe or hold the opinion that it is created. لا نقول بخلقه. We don't say the Quran is created. وَلَا نُخَالِفُ جَمَاعَةَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And we do not oppose or contradict or differ with the jama'ah of the Muslimin, the Muslim community, the Muslim ummah, or the Muslims in general, yani the majority of the Muslims. Here actually this expression jama'at al-Muslimin, it is primarily and, and yani, first and foremost applicable to the first jama'ah the first jama'ah of the Muslims that was the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in and those who came after them from amongst the tabi'een and those who came after them from amongst the four imams and others besides them whoever followed this way of the Sahaba and the tabi'een uh, until yawm qiyamah this is really the meaning of jama'at al-Muslimin not the jama'ah that we know today Jama'at to whatever Fulan, so and so, or so and so. There are so many Jama'at today. In every land, there are Jama'at organizations and groups and political parties, and all of them consider themselves to be Jama'at al Muslimin. But in fact, the Jama'at al Muslimin are people in different lands, in every time in history, who followed the way of the Prophet and his companions. This is really the Jama'at al Muslimin by whatever name they are called or whatever group they may belong to those who follow this way they are really the jama'ah and they are one jama'ah even though they may be in different lands in different times speaking different languages uh, here Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khamid Hafizullah briefly explains this point he says that we don't argue concerning the Quran by our opinions Uh, and we don't call to or use the words or the expressions or the language or the ideas of the people who went astray, who deviated. 
But when we discuss the Qur'an and issues of the Qur'an and particularly the issue that was the great fitna and temptation earlier in the history of the Muslims, the issue of whether or not the Qur'an is created, uh, especially concerning this we should avoid the ideas and the speech and the expressions and the language of the people who deviated. But instead what we should do is testify without hesitation and without doubt to the fact that the Qur'an is the speech of the Lord of the world the angel Jabril salam descended with it he taught it to Muhammad the last of the messengers of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is as it has been expressed in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Shu'ara chapter 26 verse 192 through 195 that verily, definitely speaking of the Qur'an it is a revelation that has descended from the Lord of the Worlds. نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحَ الْأَمِينَ The trusted Ruh, Angel Jibril, has descended with it عَلَى قَلْبِكَ On the heart of, on your heart, that is the heart of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Messenger of Allah لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنْذِرِينَ بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيٍ مُبِينَ That the angel Jibril has descended with this revelation to the heart of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Messenger of Allah, so that he may be of the warners, al-munzireen, and that Qur'an has been descended, or it has been sent down, bilisanin arabiyin mubin. It has been sent down in clear Arabic tongue, or clear Arabic language. And this is also a point to note, that the Qur'an is in Arabic language and in any other language it's not the Qur'an but we should only refer to it as a translation of the meanings that one might understand from the Qur'an which is in Arabic language here the Shaykh says we say and we believe that it is the Qur'an is the speech of Allah in reality and that nothing can never be equal to or similar to comparable to or near to the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's a distinction just as there's a distinction in all of the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the characteristics of the creatures just as the creatures have sight and Allah also sees but the seeing of Allah is different than the seeing of the human beings so also the speech of Allah is different from the speech of human beings Allah is divine and so everything connected to or related to him of his characteristics or his names or his actions is suitable to his majesty and his glory and is not like the actions, the characteristics or the qualities of his creatures. They are different though they are referred to by the same expression as speech or sight or hearing or face or hands or whatever Allah has described himself with it is different than that which the human being is described with. And we don't say as the Jahmiya, those who went astray in the past, we don't say as they say that the Qur'an is makhluq, that the Qur'an is created. But we say that it is the speech of Allah, it is not created and we don't go beyond that. Finally he says that we believe as the Jama'atul Muslimin the group of Muslims from the Sahaba companions and the Tabi'een radiallahu anhum ajma'een and those who followed them in goodness or in righteousness until the day of judgment we believe as they believed and whoever opposes them contradicts them or is in conflict with what they believed and what they practiced then that person is clearly in error and there are so many proofs of this one of them is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَمَن يُشَاكِكِ الرَّسُولِ مِن بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَىٰ that whoever opposes or contradicts 
the messenger after the clear guidance has been or after the guidance has been made clear to them and they follow other than the way of the believers whoever opposes the Prophet, the Messenger وسلم, after the guidance has been made clear to them and they follow a way other than Sabil al-Mu'mineen other than the way of the believers the believers when the Quran was revealed was none other than his Sahaba his companions so whoever follows any other way oppose the Prophet or follow a way other than the Sahaba then they are definitely clearly astray there is no doubt about it There is still some uh, comments here, which I don't know if there is time. Uh, briefly and quickly, let me just uh, comment from some of the sayings of Al-Imam Ibn Abil Iz. Uh, he says, the saying of uh, Al-Imam Al-Sahawi, we bear witness that the Quran is the speech of Allah. Um, he just mentions briefly a previous statement that verily the Quran is the speech of Allah that it, be, it began or it came from him and as speech, as real speech and we don't say how it is. This is something that we discussed previously concerning his saying that it has been it has descended or been sent down by the angel Jibreel. He says that Jibreel he is called Ar-Ruh Ad-Ameen. He is called Ar-Ruh because he is called the Spirit because he is the one that carries the Wahi, the revelation that is the source of life of the heart. He is the one who delivered that revelation which is the source of life, which is the real spirit of life of the human beings. He is the one who delivered it to the messengers who delivered it to the human beings. And he is also called Amin. This is true, in fact, because he, fulfill, he fulfilled the trust given to him without any hesitation in delivering the message of what Allah had sent to him or sent him with. So he mentions the saying of Imam Tahawi, فَعَلَّمَهُ Sayyid al-Mursaleen that Angel Jibril taught the Quran to the leader or the master of the messengers Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said this is a clear indi- indication that the angel Jibril actually taught the Prophet ﷺ the Qur'an and it's not as some of those people who deviated said that the Prophet ﷺ just used to imagine something he used to imagine it and these ideas would come to him in his imagination and finally he says <coughs> that we don't say that it is created and we don't oppose or contradict the Jama'at al-Muslimin he said here, Al-Imam Tahawi is calling our attention to the fact that whoever says the Qur'an is created, <coughs> then that person has contradicted or opposed the Jama'at al-Muslimin. For verily, the early generations of the Muslims, the early generations of this Ummah were all in agreement that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah without any doubt in reality and that it is not created. In fact, his statement, وَلَا نُخَالِفْ جَمَاعَةُ Muslimin is not confined or restricted to opposing the Jama'at al-Muslimin concerning this issue of creation of Qur'an, but we do not oppose them or contradict them in any matters of what they have agreed upon and whoever contradicts them in those matters that the early generation of the Muslims agreed upon and that person is clearly astray or clearly in error. <coughs> Al-Imam Al-Bukhari concerning this issue just as a point, a note, extra point in his book Khalq Af'al Al-Ibad Al-Imam Al-Bukhari wrote a book concerning the issue of the creation of the actions of the human being khalq af'al al-ibad the actions of the human being that they are created by Allah in that book he discussed the issue 
of the speech of Allah. If the actions of the human being are created by Allah, including their speech, then what about the speech of Allah? And here Imam Bukhari mentions the statement of Muhammad ibn al-Tabari, al-Hakim ibn Muhammad ibn al-Tabari. He said, I wrote down from him in Mecca, his saying that Sufyan ibn Uyayna, who was one of the great scholars of the, of the early generation of the Muslims who died near the end of the second century of the Hijrah, he said that I have met with our sheikhs or our scholars for 70 years. He met scholars from, out, from throughout the Muslim world and Sufyan ibn Uyayna was one of the scholars of Mecca who taught in Mecca the place that the Muslims from every place in the earth came to and he said for 70 years I have met the scholars of the Muslims and from amongst them was Amr ibn Dinar one of the greatest scholars of the Tabi'een all of them used to say that the Quran is the speech of Allah and it is not created <coughs> this is a proof that this is something upon which the early generations of the Muslims have agreed upon and there is no question or doubt about it and also <coughs> The saying of the early generation of the Muslims that the Qur'an, as this question came to us in a previous lecture, which we discussed briefly, but here is an opportunity to bring it up. The statement of, of the scholars of the Muslims that the Qur'an which is written in the Mus'haf, the Qur'an which is written in the Mus'haf, that Qur'an which is memorized in the heart, and that Qur'an which is recited on the tongue, in whatever form it came, it is uncreated, it is not created, it is the speech of Allah and it is not created. However, due to the fact that the human voice and the movement of one's tongue are created actions, the innovators came with this idea and this statement which was a deviation and a contradiction of the correct Islamic aqidah they said, my recitation of the Qur'an is created. Yani, it was their way of deviation. Instead of saying that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah and is not created, it is as though they are admitting that the Qur'an is not created. But my, what, when I recite the Qur'an, that recitation, they said, is what is created. But the scholars of the Muslims from among Sahaba and Tabi'een never made any such statement but they didn't go further than to say that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah and it is not created. In whatever form the Qur'an came in, whether it is written in the Mus'haf, it is memorized in the heart or it is recited on the tongue, if it is Qur'an, the Qur'an is only the speech of Allah and the speech of Allah is not created. <coughs> okay, this is the end of what we wanted to say tonight, inshallah, if there are any questions or comments or corrections, we have still a few moments before the adhan. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, shadu an la ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka wa tubari. Naam, khadayatim. What are the nawaqid of Islam and the nawaqid of Iman? This is the whole subject in itself. Nawaqid of Islam and Nawaqid of Iman are many and uh, actually there are some lectures concerning such which we delivered some months ago here in this center during the ladies night when we used to have lectures for the ladies uh, and those lectures are recorded inshallah you can refer to them for the details because uh, it was a very long discussion but in brief the nawaqid or those things, the nullifiers of one's Islam, they are many. You can find them mentioned in the books of Aqidah, as well you can find them mentioned in the books of Islamic law, books of fiqh. Some of them are, for example, the engaging or practicing of magic. Uh, also, to make mockery of the Qur'an or to make mockery of anything that the Prophet ﷺ came with such as some people make mockery especially in some of the non-Muslim societies but unfortunately even today in the Arab societies especially out of the peninsula out of the Arabian peninsula 
the women who cover their faces, some people make mockery of it. In America, they said, those women are walking around with a tent over them. Some of them said, what, what is this, a ninja? Making mockery of such is kufr. And especially when it came from the tongue of Muslims, some of them in the masjid, in the khutbah of Jummah and in their speeches, even some of them who are considered to be Muslim leaders in America have made such statements. They said, where do you think you're in a desert? I guess you'll next be riding a camel. Making mockery of whatever the Prophet ﷺ came with is kufr. Whoever is displeased with anything that the Prophet ﷺ came with is kufr. Yani, the Prophet ﷺ told us to do something and someone is displeased with it. Even if they did it, they, con- they conformed with it, but while they were doing it outwardly, in their heart, they were displeased with it. This is kufr. Uh, also, from amongst those things which are of the nawaqid of Islam, is that a person claims that there is someone or some people, themselves or others, who are not restricted or confined or subjected to the Sharia. They said they are beyond the Sharia. Yani they reached a high level of development. As one man, and there are many, one man, Mahmoud Taha in Sudan, he said that he reached a level of concentration or intellectual development or integration or contact with Allah, I don't know what exactly they called it, that he doesn't need to pray. Yani when he thinks it's prayer. Whoever claims to be outside of the Sharia, and this is particularly widespread amongst the groups of Sufiya. Many of those people said they reach some type of spiritual development, that they are above the Sharia. The Sharia is for the common people. <coughs> but for those who are on that level, they have different revelation and different guidelines and different religion actually. These are some of the nawaqid of Islam. Also of the nawaqid of Islam is openly, knowingly doing something like worshipping an idol. If someone bows down to an idol, makes prostration to an idol, this is kufr. It is a nawaqid of Islam. Nawaqid of Islam means that a person says something or does something or holds a belief. It can be a statement. It can be an action, it can be a belief, conviction. That nullifies or contradicts their original testimony that entered them into Islam. Yani the confession of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. If someone says or does or believes something which is in absolute contradiction to that, it nullifies it, then this takes someone out of Islam. Let me say here though, it is important to note in the end of our comments, uh, that this is an issue which we discussed in detail previously and connected to it is the issue of takfir and it is a dangerous issue that I have to mention even if I mention it in brief that when we say this is a nullifier of Islam and the person who says a particular statement of disbelief that that is kufr or an action that they do of disbelief that this is kufr it doesn't mean that we are saying that person is a kafir okay there is a difference between saying the statement of so-and-so is a statement of disbelief. There's a difference between saying his statement is a statement of disbelief and saying that he is a disbeliever. The Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah make a distinction between declaring a statement or an action or a belief to be kufr as it is based on evidence in the Quran and Sunnah that this is kufr. There's a difference between making a ruling or a judgment that that action or that statement or that belief is disbelief and saying that that person is a disbeliever. Because the Ahlul Sunnah Jama'ah don't say that any particular person is a kafir until the proofs have been presented and that person has been made to understand and see that what they are saying or what they are doing is kufr and they continue or persist in it. Then it is the right of the scholars after proofs have been presented it is the right of the scholars then to declare the kufr of any individual and not even then is it our right to say we have debated and argued and shown them that this is kufr and they continue to do it or say it therefore I say this person is a kafir. No, it is not for us to do so. So this is a very important point 
there are more yani, principles that have to, or guidelines that we should uh, pay attention to concerning the issue of takfir or declaring someone to be a kafir, but at least know in general that the, uh, the position of the Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah is that we might, based on evidence from Quran and Sunnah, declare a statement to be a statement of kufr, but we do not declare the person who said it to be a kafir. Is it clear? I hope. Inshallah. Tayyip, uh, is there any last comment or question or statement or correction from the sisters? Appears to be no questions. Tayyip. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Please pay attention to the questions at the end of the handout. Uh, inshallah, we should be able to answer those questions from our lecture this evening. And in the future, if we have an examination, the questions will come from these questions. So pay attention to them. Jazakumullah khair.